This next song is Waymaker, and uh, it's pretty important, at least for me, just to declare who he is to us. Amen? He is our Waymaker. So we're going to sing this together. Hopefully you're all singing out there with these things in my ear. I can't tell, but I know you are. I feel it. So here we go. You are here, moving in our midst. I worship you. I worship you. You are here, working in this place. I worship you. I worship you. Let's sing that again. You are here, moving in our midst. I worship you, I worship you. You are here, working in this place. I worship you, I worship you. Stop, you never stop working. You never stop, you never 
Let's just sit in this moment for a second. this place with your spirit, Lord. Spirit, lead me where my trust is without borders. Let me walk upon the waters wherever you would call me. Take me deeper than my feet could ever wander. And my faith will be made stronger.
first time we sang that song this morning I was I was reminded of something that had happened in my life I I, w I was called on to be a referee uh, and it was between two little girls and they were sisters and the issue was who was who was going to get to sleep on the top bunk because um, apparently sleeping on the top bunk was a big deal and so I was I was called to be the referee over that and they were making their case, right, for why they should be the one that was allowed to sleep on the top bunk. And, and the, the littlest one, the youngest one, uh, is about six years old or so, five or six years old. And just as, 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 as dramatic as only a five-year-old girl can be, right, um, here is her thing. Never in my whole life... Have I been able to sleep on the top bunk? And that's where I lost it. I, 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 I'd been trying to stay serious and trying to stay focused. And when it got to never in my whole life, and she's this tall, you know, it was like, oh, my goodness. But in this song we've been singing, for all of my life you have been faithful. 
And you know, the reality is when, you know, when you're this tall and, and you're five years old, for all of your life, God, God can be faithful. But what we need to hear and, and what the body of Christ, I think, really deserves to hear is from some of you that aren't five, you're 85, how God has been faithful for all of my life. We need you to reflect back on God's faithfulness. We need you to tell those stories of God's faithfulness and how he got you through circumstances and situations. Because so the people that need to hear those stories haven't been through that yet. They haven't lived through that event, and you have, or something very nearly like it. And we need to hear from you about that. And I, I know I can already feel those tendencies. You know, you, you, you get a little older and you get a little more set in your ways and there's ways you like things and ways you don't like things. And um, somehow you feel a little freer to share that opinion than you did when you were younger. And, you know, I, I get it that when you get up in the morning and you're sore and you haven't done anything yet, um, you know, that, that can be frustrating. And, and sometimes you, you, you fall into complaining or to saying life's not as good as I would like it to be. We need to hear from you. All of my life, God has been faithful. He's not just faithful today. I need you to know I can look back and I can see lots of days and years back there and I can tell you how in various moments and in situations, God has been faithful. We need to hear your testimony. We need to hear from you. All my life, he is faithful. All my life, he has been so, so good to me. Right? Because there's been some tough days when the day wasn't good to you, but God was good to you in the middle of the bad day, right? We, need, we, we just need to hear that. And so, Father, we just say thank you for being a good father, especially on this Father's Day. We want to say thank you for that. And that you have loved us consistently and faithfully. And you've loved us when things have gone well and we didn't deserve that. And you've loved us when things went badly and we didn't deserve that. You've just been faithful. And so God, help us to be faithful as you are. Help us to be people of our word. Help us to be people who are faithful. But God, thank you that you have always been faithful. In every circumstance, in every situation, you have always been faithful. And we give you thanks for that. In your name we pray. Amen. 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 Well, you still can't greet each other. It's, it's not legal, but you can you wave and say hi. So just, you know, wave to everybody around you and tell them you're glad they're here. And, you know, point at them or something. You know, you can, you can do that. That's, that's all good. That's all, that's all legal. So for some of you that, uh, that missed it, last week we uh, honored our, our graduates and we had a little video that, that showed that. And uh, so some of, you, some of you saw that, some of you weren't here, you didn't get a chance to see it. So we're going to replay that so that you can see our, our videos uh, of our graduates today. We want you to be able to honor them with us. And as I said, uh, just continue to pray for them. A lot of the people you're going to see on the screen are people who, in fact, are at the houseboat uh, event, this annual thing that uh, happens here. And so uh, we just want you to see that. And then we also have the announcement video for today and uh, some of the events that are taking place. So let's, uh, let's watch the videos from today.
Hi church family, I'm Carissa and we are so excited that you chose Parkway for your place of worship this morning. We would love to connect with you. If you could take a moment to let us know you're here by filling out our digital connect card. In addition, that connect card has a place where you can fill out prayer requests. As a staff, we come together every week and we pray for you. So we would consider it an honor if you would let us come alongside you for any need. Or if you have been submitting prayer requests, let us know any updates or praise reports. And we like to celebrate those alongside you as well. Thank you so much for your faithfulness and giving. Our ushers will be at the back doors on your way out at the end of service where you can drop off your tithes and offering, or you can do that online. You can access our giving site through our app or directly on our website at the URL below. We so appreciate your continued faithfulness in this area. Happy Father's Day! Today after service, we have a gift for all of the men of Parkway. You all play a role as a mentor and father to others in your life and here at Parkway. If you are watching us online, we'll be doing a drive-by pickup after service from 12.30 to 1 p.m. so you too can pick up a gift. We hope to see you there. Hi, I'm Bethany and I'm the Kids and Families Pastor here at Parkway. I'm here to share with you about tons of exciting events happening here at Parkway for Kids and Families. We have events happening on Wednesdays and Thursdays starting in July and also a fun family night out in August. Check out our website for more details. We can't wait to see you. What a blessing the people of Parkway are to this church. We've told you that the new Parkway doesn't work without you and you have shown up in many ways and blessed us with your gifts. Thank you. On June 28th at 1230 after service, we are gonna have an all volunteer huddle. There will be lunch, we'll have more raffles. We'll also give you um, some updates of what's coming up here at Parkway. There's also gonna be an opportunity for you to give us feedback. So if you are a current volunteer, we invite you to come and join us at that lunch after service on June 28th. If you are not a current volunteer, now is the time to get involved. You can let us know how you are interested in joining the volunteer team by going to our website at People of Parkway and then come on out to the lunch on June 28th and we'll get you plugged in and started and all the things that you need in order to get connected and serving here at Parkway. Well, that's all I've got for you today. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. We are so glad that you're here. I hope that you feel God's presence more than ever before. So be sure to stay connected with us online on Instagram and Facebook. All right, let's do church. Yay. I just want to follow up on that. Just uh, thank you for those of you that kind of caught the concept of attend one, serve one. Uh, that's what allows us to be able to do the, the multiple services and to kind of stay inside the guidelines and all of that. So thank you for those of you that have volunteered. And uh, if you haven't got your shirt, if you're a volunteer, uh, we've got them in the back. If there's no other reason to volunteer, it's because of the really cool shirts. So, you know, if you haven't signed up, you need to sign up so you can get yourself one of the really cool shirts. That'll be a great thing. Uh, but that's going to be a great lunch. It's coming up in a couple of weeks. So, uh, again, thank you for the opportunity to, to uh, be able to honor you with lunch and say thank you for all the work that you're doing. Uh, so we've got our kids that are going to gather together. So we've got some of the folks here that are going to collect all of the kids. So if you're in first through fifth grade, uh, and I, I guess that's going into first through fifth grade, right? Uh, then, then you can come on down. As I said, the rest of our uh, students are, or not, not all of them, but all, some of the, the older students and all the leaders anyway are at the houseboat trip. So uh, they're all down there, but we have uh, these other kids that are with us this morning, and we want to pray for them uh, before they take off. So Father, I thank you for every one of these lives.
I thank you that they are created on purpose with a design by you because you love them and you want them to have a life of significance. And so I thank you for their creation. I thank you for what you've done for them and are going to do for them. I pray that starting today, there would be just this overwhelming sense of your destiny and purpose in their lives. Thank you, Father. Amen. Amen. Bless you guys. Have fun. Have fun. Have fun. Oh, middle school. I'm sorry. I forgot. Keith and Nancy are doing, uh, it's kind of Grandma Grandpa Day with uh, middle school students. So those of you that are in middle school, you need to head over there with uh, Keith and Nancy. And uh, you guys are taking off. Sorry, I forgot about that. I got I to gotta, I gotta keep the details straight from two services. And sometimes I don't do a very good job, like just now. <laughs> so sorry about that, guys. Yeah, middle school is gathering together with uh, Keith and Nancy. All right, you guys have fun today. Well, it's Father's Day. Congratulations to uh, all the dads and grandpas that are here. Uh, we're uh, appreciative of your place and influence in our lives. Uh, this, this is kind of, a, a, kind of a crazy Father's Day in some ways, right? Uh, you know, Father's Day, Mother's Day, those are typical days like when families all get together, uh, except now when it's illegal and uh, you can't get together. So um, if, you, if you do get together and have a big family outing, uh, be sure not to make too much noise so that the neighbors hear and then report you. So you should kind of have a quiet little, you know, gathering so that uh, you don't get caught, right? Uh, so that your families can get together and uh, have, have, some sort of, have some sort of celebration on the first sunny weekend we've had uh, all summer, right? So uh, that, that part's good. But it is unique, right? I mean, it's just a different kind of environment. We're all kind of trying to figure that out. Uh, and it's interesting to me that it's, it's actually out of this environment and some of the things that we've experienced collectively and the emotions and the responses that we've had, that it's actually in this environment that it illustrates for us the two significant passages where Paul talks about the role of fathers and how fathers are supposed to act and the influence that fathers are supposed to have. So I need to tell you that um, we're, we're going to use illustrations that are very current. They are things that have happened to us. They are experiences that we've had. They are emotional reactions we've had to those experiences. Uh, but it's all designed to help teach what Scripture is saying. So nothing today is political, all right? I'm not on anybody's side. I'm not encouraging you to sign up for any party. I'm not asking you to believe anything. I'm simply going to say, this has happened to us. We've experienced it. Because we experienced it, we had some reactions. Scripture says, fathers, when we experience your presence, we should have these kinds of reactions and not these negative kinds of reactions. And I'm just going to illustrate it, but it's nothing to do with who you should vote for, or what party you should be a part of. It is not a political statement. Is that a good enough disclaimer? Will that, will that keep me out of emails and, and you know, what, <laughs> petitions or whatever? <laughs> so we, are, we, are we clear on that? We're just, we're just going to reach back and, and grab some of those, some of those events. I think some of the principles that we look at today and some of the things that we talk about when it comes to being fathers is also going to talk about more than just the, the role of fathers. So men, as we talk about it, it's, it's also in how you, you love and treat your wife. It's also how you uh, act and react on, in the workplace and, and how you deal with people that maybe you're responsible for a team of people in, in your workplace. It also has to do with how you react with people when you volunteer and you get involved in your community and you say, yeah, I can, you know, maybe 
coach a soccer team or I could help with this project over here. It's going to have to do with influence. And in that sense, it's certainly not just male influence. It has to do with influence in general. But there are these very specific verses that are written for fathers. We're going to look at those verses and we're going to talk about what they say about influence from the perspective of fathers. So that's, that's where we're going to go today. The two passages that we want to look at are, first of all, in Ephesians chapter 6 and then in Colossians chapter 3. So if you don't have a Bible, there's a Bible there in front of you. You can use that one. If you have a print Bible, the index is in the front. It'll tell you what page Ephesians is on and what page Colossians is on. If you're doing it electronically, EPH is the abbreviation for Ephesians, and COL is the abbreviation for Colossians. So that's as much as I can do to help you, all right? You ready? You find Ephesians? Ephesians chapter 6, verse 1, Paul's talking about families here. He says, children, you should obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. That's a quote from the Old Testament, actually from back to the Ten Commandments. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment that comes with a promise. The promise is that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Here's the specific instruction to fathers. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but instead bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Colossians chapter 3 verse 18 has almost the same passage. It starts off, wives submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Some of you are familiar with the love and respect conferences, the material, the tapes, the books, the egriches have put out. Anybody ever? Nobody. Well, four of you. All of you who are married might want to look it up. <laughs> uh, this is where they get that concept of love and respect, is, is out of this passage that we just read. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. And in verse 21, now the instruction to fathers. Fathers, do not provoke your children, lest they become discouraged. Where we want to start is just with the words. What are the words that Paul used and what do the words mean? Uh, that, that's, that's what we want to do. Then we'll illustrate the meaning of those words as we look at some of our current, current events. So in both passages, what we read in English is, fathers, do not provoke your children. One just says, don't provoke them. The other one says, don't provoke them to wrath or to anger. In the first passage, the, the word in Ephesians literally says this, fathers, do not anger your children to anger. So we read, do not provoke your children to wrath or to anger. He actually uses the same word twice. He says, don't provoke your children to anger to anger. I mean, he uses the same word on, on both sides of the phrase. The, the word literally means to enrage or to provoke someone and, it, and it, it means to bring that anger, that emotion, alongside. And so here's Paul saying, when you come alongside your children, when you come close to them, when you interact with them, do it in such a way that your presence and your activity does not inspire anger in them. So I, I need you to know that Scripture doesn't talk about the issue of being an absentee father because Scripture assumes that fathers are present. So I know that in our culture, that's kind of a new thing, and Scripture doesn't necessarily address that because as Paul is writing to these people, absentee fathers were not the issue. The issue was how you behaved while you were there. So 
the concept is if you are here and your children are over here and you move over toward them, you bring your presence into their life, you move alongside of them, that when you come alongside of them, you should not bring anger and disappointment. You should not evoke in them some reaction of anger. So that's in the Ephesians passage. Fathers, do not anger your children to anger. (laughs) Do not come alongside them and produce that response. In Colossians, we read the same phrase in English, don't provoke your children, but Paul uses a different word here in Colossians than he uses in the Ephesians passage. And what he is saying here is essentially... When you come into your children's life, do not stimulate them in a negative way. And and we would kind of understand the, the, the wording here. When we talk about something like charity and we say we want to stimulate someone toward charity, we would tend to use words like we want to encourage them. We want to motivate them. Those are positive words that we use that saying, I'm trying to bring out a reaction in someone, but I'm trying to bring out a positive reaction. When we use the word incite, we don't typically use it in a positive manner. So we would say that we would motivate toward charity, we would incite toward a riot. So when Paul uses this Greek word, it's like the word incite. To, inc- to, to incite someone or to motivate them actually is the same thing. It's just that we tend to use one word in a negative connotation. We tend to use the other word in a positive connotation. Paul uses a Greek word here that means to motivate, but it's used in a negative sense most often. So it would be like the word incite. And so he's saying when you move alongside your children, you should not incite, you should not motivate, you should not bring out a reaction of anger and disappointment, but that you should come alongside them and be positive. So fathers, our presence in our children's lives, what we say, what we do, the attitude that we have, our reactions, while we are present, our coming alongside of them is going to bring about a reaction. And the reaction that comes from our coming alongside of them, Paul is saying, should not be an ang- a response of anger. It should not be a response of disappointment. I-, I think anger is pretty easy for us to get. We kind of understand that emotion. When he talks about not bringing disappointment, it literally means to be disheartened. It means to be dismayed. It means to be discouraged. So fathers, when you come alongside your children, you should not bring with you or cause to be within them a reaction of anger, nor should there be that reaction of, why bother? Why, who cares? Why even try? You can never make this guy happy. He's never satisfied. Why, why try? So Paul says, when you come alongside your children, don't cause anger and don't cause discouragement when you come alongside them. So just picking things that have happened in the last you know, few months that have happened to us, I think we can learn three things that we shouldn't do, and we can learn a couple things that we should do. Fair enough? So guys, you ready? Got your pen out? Ready to roll? Here we go. Three things not to do. First of all, don't have a million-dollar response to a hundred-dollar problem. Don't have a million-dollar response to a hundred-dollar problem. 
I, I think all of us can admit that, you know, in the last few months, there was a situation that arose. This virus showed up. We didn't know what it was like, what it was going to do. We didn't know, you know, what the best way was to respond. And so there was some sort of response that had to happen. You couldn't just bury your head in the sand and say, well, let's pretend it never, never happened. Let's pretend it's not here. There was a situation that arose. The situation that arose demanded a response. The question is whether we needed a $3 trillion response that in addition cost us the highest level of unemployment in over a hundred years in this country. A spike in suicide, a spike in drug and alcohol relapse, a jump in domestic violence, a permanent loss of business and jobs, the disruption of our children's education, and nationwide a sense of panic and anxiety. See, dads, when you overreact to a situation, especially if you've not reacted that way in the past, if you've underreacted to similar situations in the past, you will provoke anger and discouragement in your children. Disciplining children starts with you being so well-disciplined, so self-controlled, so consistent, that you have something to call them to, not just something to yell at them about. Dads, when you overreact, especially in situations that were similar that you never reacted to and that you didn't respond to in the past, you will provoke anger and discouragement in your children. Disciplining children starts with you being disciplined, consistent, so that you will have something to call them to Come with me to this consistent place of values and responses. Come to this place. Disciplining your children is being so consistent that you can call them to something, not just so that you can yell at them about something. We need that. I, I uh, got called out on my own inconsistency in my parenting. Two boys, both about middle school age. We're on vacation. We're on vacation in Bend. It's kind of our, for years with the boys were growing up, it was kind of the place that we went for our Christmas holiday celebration time, you know, after Christmas and before the new year. And we kind of took a break and we would go up to Bend. And we were up at the outlet malls in Bend. I, I can still see everything that's happening in this process. And so the boys were not getting a very consistent reaction from their father. And their mother brought that to their father's attention. <laughs> and I knew that she was right. I wasn't sure why I was reacting the way I was reacting. I, I, I hadn't thought about it. I hadn't looked at it. I, I'd never bothered to evaluate it. I, I was just responding. But I was responding in a way that was creating anger and disappointment and discouragement in my boys. And I, I, I didn't realize what was going on. Because, I mean, I, mean, I mean, if you're in middle school and you're at the outlet mall in, in Bend, you just, it's, it's like, how many bags do we get to walk away with, right? That's the whole goal. I mean, let's get some stuff, you know, we're here. Let's, you know, 
You know, if, if we're not, and especially with boys, right? I mean, why did we come if we're not going to buy something? Why else be here? I mean, girls, you could just go look for hours, and that would be, you know, an end in itself. But I mean, when you're, you know, when you're a guy, you go to a store for one reason only, that's to buy stuff. And if you're not buying anything, you don't go. I mean, that's just the way it works. And so here I was, I wasn't responding in a, in a consistent manner. And, and, uh, and, and their mother called me on that. And I got to thinking about it, and I, I, I finally figured out what, what the deal was for me and why I was being inconsistent in my reactions. I'm, I don't respond well to people who have a sense of entitlement. Uh, that, that doesn't work well for me, and it, and, it, and it still doesn't work well for me, and I have to find ways to kind of moderate my behavior. So I will tell you, being the first church off the freeway, uh, we get a lot of people that, that believe that it's the church's job to pay for their vacation. So they're on their way from someplace, going to someplace else, and they ran out of gas. And they believe that because we're church, we should just give them money because they're out of gas. And my response is, you should have figured out how much gas money you needed before you left home. <laughs> Not my job to pay for your vacation. Sorry, you didn't have enough to pay for your vacation. Vacations you can't afford are vacations you shouldn't take. I mean, it's, I, I just got to tell you, my reaction's not always real positive. But I see some other people that come, they're committed to the church, they're, they're, they're volunteering, they're doing the whole attend one, serve one thing, and we know they're struggling and they're having difficulty, they got laid off work or they've got, you know, inadequate work and they don't really have the funds they need and they're not asking for anything, and I want to just give those people all kinds of money. Let's just help them. Well, they didn't ask for it. I don't care. We know they need it. Let's just give it away. It's just my nature. I respond to gratitude with charity. I respond to this sense of entitlement with you ain't getting nothing. <laughs> but my, my inconsistency with my boys, because sometimes they would show up at the store and be all excited because guys go to the store for one reason, that's to buy stuff. We'd show up at the store, they figured we were there to buy stuff, and I would be going, well, they're not being very grateful. And suddenly they would get this reaction from me that was saying, you're not getting anything. And then the next time they go into the same exact store with the same exact dad and they would be just, you know, looking around, hey, you know, and, and I'd be going, oh, let's buy him stuff. And the inconsistency that would drive them crazy. And here was my presence in their life bringing out anger and disappointment because I was being undisciplined in my own emotions and reacting to that situation incorrectly. You shouldn't have million dollar answers to hundred dollar problems. And you should not have random or conflicting responses. That's the second thing. You should not have random or conflicting responses. And I think we've experienced some of that, right? When this whole virus thing first started, remember, remember when masks weren't helpful? Do you remember that? When we first started, the CDC, okay, not just some yahoo, the CDC said, oh, no, they're ineffective. They don't do any good. Now in California, you can't go outside without one. We know that in, the infection happens almost entirely from expelled vapor from the lungs of an infected person, and the virus is somehow invisibly in all of that. 
And so if you have prolonged exposure or you have significant exposure indoors where this virus moves back and forth between two people, you can acquire a viral load and that's how you become infected. That's just how it works. So how did that turn into you should not walk down a trail in the woods by yourself? So we're going to shut down the trail. Okay. Liquor stores are an essential service. But support groups for recovering alcoholics are not. You can buy shoes, towels, and a TV at Fred Meyer, but you can't buy clothes at Roth's. The the gas station attendant shouldn't touch the pump handle, but you should get out of your car and touch it after a hundred other people have touched it to fill up their car. (laughs) I, 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 I think you get the point. When you treat your children like this, they are smart enough, even at some pretty young ages, to figure out that your leadership and your influence in their lives is merely a random set of responses that reflects something other than actually helping them and providing for them. This is what you should do instead. You need to pick some values and some goals for your family, and then you need to move in those directions consistently, using well-thought-out, rational decisions to implement those goals as you always move forward toward what you said were the stated goals for your family. This is who we are. These are the kind of people we're going to be. It's that Joshua thing, right? As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And then you consistently implement that. And you don't just make up random weird things that actually at times work against the very goal that you said you had in mind. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. But we don't read the Bible, we don't pray, and we don't ever go to church. Really? (laughs) Really? Pick a goal, pick a value, be consistent, and make your decisions in light of that. Not how you feel at the moment, but in light of those values that you said you were going to follow. Third thing you shouldn't do, don't claim what you don't have. Don't claim what you don't have. What we keep hearing is that a lot of the decisions that were being made for us and that were being enforced upon us were all for our own good and they were all based in science. Well, it's interesting to me that the science discovered that two people sitting on a surfboard next to each other in the ocean could not infect themselves, but those same two people, if they were sitting on the same two surfboards 100 yards away in the sand, were going to infect each other. So it was illegal to stand on the beach with a surfboard and talk to the person next to you, but you could swim 100 yards out into the water and paddle next to each other and talk to each other as long as you wanted because somehow being out there was going to make a difference. What, What science came up with the idea that if you go to the park, you can walk on the trails, but you can't walk on the grass? The trail forces me to be closer to people because we can only get so far apart and still be on the trail. If I'm on the grass, I'm not anywhere near you. (laughs) Before we let you out of the house, we have to have more testing. But of course, we're not going to test anybody except all the people that we know already have the disease. 
Can't let you out of house arrest until we do contact tracing. But of course, we're not going to do any of that because we don't have the manpower to do it. Let me give you what the father version of that kind of thing is. This is for your own good. <laughs> right? That's when you know dad got no clue. This is for your own good. Okay? It's not based on science. It's not based on values. It's not based on us getting any place. This is just for your own good. And the kid knows perfectly well that this decision has little or nothing to do with them. It is simply what you want to do. It is some random one-off decision that you're trying to justify regardless of how silly it sounds. And we've experienced that. And when people did that to us, when they came alongside of us with silly one-off decisions that they said were for our own good, it frustrated us. It brought discouragement. It brought anger. Paul's saying, fathers, you shouldn't ever do that. You shouldn't ever do that. So what should we do? Well, first of all, let's look at the words that Paul actually uses. What are the things that he says? He says that you are, instead of provoking anger and discouragement or disappointment, you're supposed to be bringing them up in the discipline and the knowledge and the instruction of the Lord. The discipline word is actually a word for tutelage. It, it literally means education. It means training. It means teaching people things they don't already know. And that sometimes there is a sense of, of correction that happens in that. No, that is a wrong answer. You know, and, and in spite of some philosophies of education, there are, in fact, wrong answers. <laughs> two and two is not five. I don't care how much you feel it should be five, how much you'd like it to be five. Two and two is still four. And five's the wrong answer. And so sometimes tutelage is not only encouraging the learning process, it is reminding people there are wrong answers. And so Paul uses a word that describes that. When he talks about instruction, it literally means to call something into attention. And that sometimes you do that with a response. You respond and say, I need to get your attention. You need to be alert to this. We are supposed to provide, the word for discipline means to provide an environment in which a person can grow. An environment that constrains negative behavior and an environment that rewards positive behavior. And I will tell you that there has to be both. Without both, there will be confusion about what is wrong and there will be confusion about what is right. You cannot just respond negatively. You can't just say, well, that's wrong. And the only time you'll hear from me is when that's wrong. Because that leaves what is right undefined. And if all you ever do is give praise and you never offer correction, you leave what is wrong undefined. What it means to discipline and instruct and to raise our children effectively is to clearly define for them what is wrong and what is right. Fathers, you've got to be there for both. When a line is crossed, you need to be able to respond to that and say, this is a wrong thing. And it's not wrong because I happen to be tired today and I don't want to put up with it. It's wrong because, remember, 
Our family has goals. These are the kind of people we're going to be. These are the kinds of values we're going to live by. These are the kind of decisions we're going to make. And based on that, this is wrong. Not just because I'm frustrated. Not because you did something that embarrassed me in front of my friends. That's not the point. The point is, here are our values. This is not in agreement. It leads us away from our values instead of toward our values. This is wrong. But at the same time, to be able to say, and this is right over here. Why? Because it moves us toward where we want to go. It moves us in the direction that we want to go. You have to be able to define both. Scripture goes on to say that that true love from a father provides this consistent and defined plan that defines right, defines wrong, and it does it in an atmosphere that rewards that which is good and it restrains that which which is wrong. And you have to be able to do that in the appropriate way that stimulates the individual child. It's got to be age appropriate. I always love it when somebody's trying to explain things to three-year-olds. You know, it's like, didn't anybody tell you the whole front half of their brain doesn't work yet? You're trying to give them abstract concepts about right and wrong. You're trying to discuss philosophy with them, and they're three. The whole frontal lobe of their brain is not working yet. When you're three, you just need to know, don't play in the street. Don't touch the stove because it's wrong. It's painful. It's a threat to you. Now, we, we can explain the physics of why a hot stove burns a cold hand to somebody when they're older, but you can't explain that to a three-year-old. Your response has to be age-appropriate. So if you're trying to have philosophical discussions with a four-year-old, give it up. It ain't ever going to happen. But if you don't start having some philosophical discussions with a 16-year-old, you're going to lose them because they're starting to ask legitimate questions. That whole other half of their brain has started to kick in. You need to be age-appropriate in your responses, but you need to be consistent in your definition of right and wrong so that they can clearly understand those things. So guys, we have a, we have a gift for you today. Handy dandy little deal. First of all, it has a ruler. Because you need to be consistent. That's what a ruler helps you do, right? You ever had somebody say, well, you know, it's about a foot long. Like, dude, that's not a foot. (laughs) That's why we have a ruler, so that we know that an inch is an inch, and 12 inches is a foot. Right? So, we got this thing, it's got a little ruler on it so that you can be consistent. It's just a little reminder. And it's a really cool one too because it only comes back when you want it to. <laughs> like that. It has a level on it because we need you to be balanced in your responses. You can be right, but you can be right in the wrong way. So yeah, you need to know If it's an inch, it's an inch. If it's six inches, it's six inches. And it's not just a, I think, I guess. You need to be consistent, but you need to be balanced in your response. So it's got a ruler and it's got a level. Consistent and balanced. That's what you need to be. Now this other feature, guys, is kind of unique. Underneath this little flap here, pull that up, there's a notepad. Over here on the side, there's a pen. Now, 
Ladies, this is not about you. We don't need any of your comments. We don't need any of your little sideways glances. We don't need any rolling of the eyes. This is Father's Day. Guys are just talking here for a minute. Guys, how many times have you measured something at home so that you'd know what size you needed to get when you got to the store? So you're on your way to City Plywood or Home Depot or wherever it is you're going to pick up the supplies for the project you're working on. But by the time you get to the store, you can't remember what size it is that you need. You've forgotten on the drive in. Now, wisdom would dictate that you would just admit that, go home, remeasure, and come back. But you're not going to do that. That's admitting failure. That's looking like an idiot. You're not going to do it. So instead of buying the one that you need, you buy four. Because you're pretty convinced that one of the four is going to be the right size. Because you can't remember what size it is. That's why you have a pen and a little notepad. So that when you measure something, you can remember what size it was when you get to the store. Okay? So that's just between us guys. Ladies, we need no comment from you about any of that. All right? This is, just, this is just your gift. Guys, for those of you that are online, I am not going to deliver this to your house. You have to get up off the couch, put your real clothes on, not your pajamas and your slippers, and drive down to the church in a few minutes, and I'll hand you one of these, but I'm not going to bring it to you. You've got to show a little effort on your own here. All right? So, but for all of you that are here, you can, you can have one of these. Uh, for those of you that have trouble keeping track of things, you could maybe take two. I, you know, it's, that's okay. You just... It's between you and Jesus. However many of them you need is as many as you can take. That's, that's the way this is going to work. All right? So, guys, I, I just want us to end in prayer. I want to pray for you. I want to pray with you. So, guys, I'm just going to ask you to stand with me. I, and uh, we're just going to kind of stand before God and say, God, this is who we are as men. And uh, this, is, this is what we want to pray about. So, guys, thank you for, for standing with me here. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you would help us to be the kinds of fathers, husbands, community leaders, whatever we are. Help us to be the kind of men that you've called us to be. And Father, we know our own weaknesses. We know that sometimes we react emotionally and we don't react consistently and it drives the people around us nuts because they're never quite sure which dad they're going to get that day. They're not really sure which husband is going to be there that day. So, God, I pray that this ruler would actually remind us we need to be consistent. We need to be the same guy every day. We need to have the same values every day. And help us to be balanced, God. Help us to make decisions that make sense. Help us to never hide behind, well, it's for your own good. Because, God, our inconsistency is never for their own good. So I pray, God, that you would help us to be the men you've called us to be, the men we want to be. We want to be those guys. We want to be that kind of guy. We want to be that kind of dad. So help us, God, to be consistent and balanced in all that we do. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. So guys, on your way out, there's a bunch of them out on the table over there. As I said, take one or two of these. These are your gift. Happy Father's Day. Glad you were here with us. Bless you.